I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Silly podcast. It's the first one of 2018, actually, because I've it? been lazy. There we go. Yes. It's, well, it's I'm happy that I can be a part of this of one. Town, so definitely nice to be back. Though, it is. Yeah. So, so first and foremost, this is TJ McBride, host of the podcast. I am finally next to a new appearance once up? again, What's as it up? should be. He was in California for a while. Tell us about your trip. Yeah, man. It was. So I actually grew up out there, as did you. But I lived there for about 10 years, I think it was. Um, they, that's where I grew up. I mean, my childhood, I played yeah. baseball, the league, all that stuff out there. So, got to go back with a couple of my new homies that I've kind of met since moving out here from high school, which has been fantastic, and got to meet some of the old homies you know, that I grew up with uh, you know, when I was a child. So went back, became a beach bum for about five days. Fantastic. I can't even begin okay. to explain. Okay, I got to stop you. This is a boring California conversation. What did you do? Tell me what I don't the know. Hell I don't know if I'm allowed to say that oh, on the pod. come on. I don't just know if I, do it. I don't know if I am. I mean, I mean what, you, you drank potential alcoholic beverages? Maybe. 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 You made it on the beach? Maybe. Good. No, we had a good time. But let's just say uh, we went where the road took us. We uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of woke, we, we woke up, the oh day God, started, so and kind of just went out, and we were like, let's see uh, what today has for us in store. But uh, nonetheless, man, it was a really good opportunity just for me to you know get away from this freaking cold. I cannot stand the cold right now. How, but What uh, was the weather like out there? 75 and 70. Uh, I was sitting there, and I had I, I didn't bring shorts. I like forgot. <laughs> I like get there. I'm like, I'm sweating. I'm wearing sweatpants and a hoodie. I'm like, I got to get out of here. I go to Target, buy a pair of like $10 shorts. I'm in there the entire trip. I think I wore them like six times. Is what it is. But uh, yeah, sat on the beach, enjoyed Airbnb, just some random where Van Nuys. what part Van Nuys? Yeah. I see you so, were in Van Nuys. No, yeah, you know yeah. what it is. So it was fun. Uh, definitely good. Got to recharge the batteries here a little bit as well. Just uh, take a little bit of break for some basketball. So all the guys that you went with were all from Colorado for, for the most part, yeah, right? Yeah, they're how, all my my high school my all high school friends and old roommates. So how did they do in Van Nuys? They were good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were kind of like, dude, like this is ghetto. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, uh, welcome, okay. well, welcome to LA. I don't feel bad like by saying this at all, but people in Colorado just don't know what the they ghetto they don't. is. No, I had dude. I had I had friends. Like one of them was like, "Yo, dude, like we should go drive through like Compton." And I was like, no, oh, "I was why? like, no, dude, like mm, you're not doing that." Like Aurora is what people consider a ghetto out here potentially. Sometimes. Yeah, which Aurora is a very nice part of LA. Yeah, like, <laughs> very, very like, nice. There's the ghetto. There's the ghetto suburbs. There's the suburbs. Then there's Aurora, and then everything like, else goes. After people that. don't understand what it's like to drive into a place and have it look like, like, like a war Cucamonga zone. Rancho is worse than Aurora. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it looked. Like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But they had a good time. <laughs> it was fun. I kind of I showed them around. We went to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Oh, we did nice. that. What was the best food you got? In and out. I mean, every oh, single that's time. garbage. I, no. You didn't get any good uh, random no, Mexican no. food. I love no, we actually didn't, dude. We didn't get any Mexican food. I am ashamed. Of I you. know, dude. That is the worst 
thing I've ever it was heard ridiculous. you say on this podcast. I, I know. It was a disgrace. Life. And I love Mexican food. I had Mexican food today. You could just go into a gas station in LA I know, and like I stumble know. upon it. It, it was my bad. Burrito. It was my bad. But I did introduce him to some of the Cali food. I mean, Roscoe's is a must. I showed it. You got Tommy's Burgers. I'm a fan of Tommy's. Tommy's yeah. I'm, see, I, there's there's it's different things, though. It's not the same. Very true. You need to get the eclectic random food in the hole in the walls in LA. I know. You I know. were on Venice. I got Snapchats. I know, dude. And you it's, missed out, man. I know, dude. Well, I, this is the thing. Is like I'm going to go back. Like There's multiple trips that we want to take, and we kind of just like went in there with like no plan. It was more so like, okay, like it's going to be New Year's. Like Let's just go and sit on the beach and get warm and stuff. So this was, I, I kind of even told my friends, I'm like, this is the test run. Like, we're going to see how it goes. We're going to see how everyone is. We're going to see if they like it. You were way too nice to your friends. I know, I am too nice. That's really what it comes down I to. I would have been like, listen, blank here. Yeah. <laughs> I have, no, I, I, I actually did do that. Like, we, um, got, we got some crap to do. There was an, it ain't going to be this way. There's an interesting story that I will tell you when the mics are not on. Uh, oh, about man. About driving somewhere and people not wanting to get out of a car. And <laughs> I need to get that, that like bravado sound so like we can just like, actually Aww. talk about it and just cover it up with a bunch of noise yeah, on boop, top. Boop, boop. <laughs> but so, man, well, I'm happy it was you fun. had a good time. No, well, happy Bossa to be Nova, back. You know? Yeah, abs- <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, but, um, he shouts Black Trey and shouts Jade Hoy oh, on the basketball. Oh my Goodness gracious! But uh, this is not a uh, Anilo Piro vacation podcast. This is a Denver Nuggets podcast. Man, we're here we, to... we talk about so much weird crap on this podcast. Well, I almost we need to start talking about more weird crap. Like yeah. we need to just like get really. We need to just have like random episodes where we just like talk about like <laughs> just like just just life. Yeah. Just be no, like, no, so what did, what did you do yesterday? Teach sort of thing. But yeah, uh, I, I I drank yesterday and I definitely wrote some words and that's about all I did yesterday. Yeah. It, I got back at six in the six last night. Uh, my smoke detector, dude. I walk through the apartment, and it's like I'm sitting there for about two <laughs> minutes. You know, I'm, I'm winding. I'm like, get to do some laundry, sleep in and bed drove, for the first time. So you were yeah, yeah. Oh back. yeah, we finally I sit down. Beep 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 beep. I'm like, are you kidding me? I go to Seven Eleven. I buy two packs of nine volt batteries. Both don't work. They don't work. I, I'm the saying the, the thing is still work. it's still beeping. I'm I not shut- gonna lie. We're in Colorado. I am. I have so many stoner jokes that just ran through my head <laughs> of like the batteries being in backwards or something. <laughs> like it's just like immediate. so great. No, but yeah, dude. I mean, I end up getting these two batteries. Doesn't work. I end up trying to unscrew it. Doesn't work. I shut the breaker off in the room that it's in. Doesn't work. I end up having to take the wires out of it, wrapping the smoke. Det- I wrap the smoke detector in a blanket <laughs> and stuff it in a box. Which is where it currently is in my apartment, stuffed in a box somewhere. You ready for this transition? Let's you do it. You ready for how seamless this uh, is? I'm excited. The Nuggets had their ba- ba- uh, batteries in backwards when that second quarter uh, happened. Yeah, that's what I like to the see. Transition, there right? it is. So uh, right. let's talk about these. This uh, is a fighting Denver podcast. Nuggets. This is this is definitely a Nuggets dominated podcast. So let's get into it. The Nuggets win 134 to 111 tonight. This was a game where they trailed at halftime against the Phoenix Suns, who were playing their third game in four nights. Did not get into Denver until two. PM because of mechanical issues on their plane had absolutely no shoot around Tyson Chandler was out and hurt and they were taking it to the Nuggets in the first half they were just like I mean like I, who was I think it was talking Ryan Blackburn at Denver Stiffs before the game and he just kind of made a nonchalant comment yeah, of, a friend of the he, show yeah. Black, Ryan Blackburn yes yes um, and he kind of alluded to of they're gonna win by 20 like is there any way that they don't win this game by 20 and I was kind of on board of like okay I think I'm kind of past the point where I'm ready to give the Nuggets some benefit of the doubt to a certain extent sure but and this same- was a game that I saw them just just they should have just walked in and been like boom 
we're up 25, Devin Booker, take a seat. We're going to do our thing. Well, Devin was Booker not the case. taken a seat for most of this yeah, game. Very true. <laughs> I mean, what did he finish at? He, uh, well, he, was, he was 4 bad. of 13 from the field tonight. Yeah, very bad performance. It was one of those games where everything was in the Nuggets' favor so much, I felt so uncomfortable before the game. I was like, this is a game the Nuggets are going to lose. The Nug like, It was, and I, I, I worried actually, about that. I actually ended up uh, meeting a friend midway through the third quarter, uh, Trey Mitchell, who I think you know. Yeah, I've been I know a big Trey friend, Big friend Shouts of um, Trey and Aider. Yes, I love Trey. I go back and known him since I was 14 years old. But anyway, he brought my friend Walter, who actually ended up going on the road trip with us. And the first thing he says to me, he looks at me with this confused face. He's like, how do you cover this, Nilo? I was like, what do, you, what do you mean, Walt? He's like, they just blew a 12-point lead. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, Walter, let me introduce you to Nug Life. This yes. is how it goes in the Denver yes. Nuggets land. So that was Walter's first ever NBA game that he went to. And, I mean, they pick up on... What the hell is this team sometimes, you know, sort of things and whatnot. So an interesting night nonetheless, but the Nuggets were, you know, putrid in the first half, none, nonetheless to say. They allowed yeah. 67 points. I mean, just bad. And yeah. it, came, it came down to these guys not playing defense, but they pick it up in the second half, you know, solidify this 134-111 victory in dominating fashion to kind of get back on track. I guess what's most insane to me, they gave 41 points to the Suns. 41 in that second quarter. Ridiculous. I have not... Yeah, and, and to the their point... looked disinterested. They did not care. The only reason this game was even close at halftime was because of Gary Harris. Oh, absolutely. Without Gary Harris, that's... 20 points 15, in the first 20 quarter. Point, like, you're in the hole against yeah. the Suns at home. And I mean, to their credit, I mean, the Suns just could not miss. I believe they were shooting like 75% of the field in the second quarter, so they were just completely on fire to the fullest extent. Um, what, but, what was your nervous level at, at the end of that second quarter going into halftime? Zero, honestly. Really? I, I mean, like this is just what I've kind of come to expect with this Nuggets team is they will get down against bad opponents, Malone will rip into them in the halftime, and they'll come back and figure it out. That's just that's the team who they are, and that's why I posed the question to Malone after the game, you know, asking about the resiliency. And I mean, I didn't want to come off and sound like an ass when I said this, but I didn't want to be too blunt, but... It's almost like it seems like it just comes down to effort on defense and is what makes the difference it between does. wins and losses. Absolutely. And I mean, it's so simple. It really is. I mean, Jokic even kind of said it. We started playing defense. That's all we it was. Won. That's what Mike and Norris said at halftime to Ali Stern We started on playing defense. Broadcast. They and were like the first team that gets defense into this game yeah, and win. And you don't want to sound... It's, it almost sounds too simple. But I mean, that's really just kind of what it is with this team is, can they play defense, you know, lock down sharp defense for three of the four quarters? I mean, if they can do that, the odds of them coming out with a win based off their offensive loan are pretty high. I mean, you saw them piss wash defense in the first half this it tonight. Really was. I mean, it was about the worst defense they've played all year, I think, or close to. It was. I was. I mean, I was looking at this game and I was like, man, this Nuggets team outside of Gary Harris is flat out disinterested. But I mean, that's like, really how I yeah, felt. Yeah, I think you know, Jokic's comments kind of summed it up. You know, there was the question posed to him of, "You were more aggressive in the second half," and I think it's more so a microcosm of this team knows how good they can be, and they feel like at times they feel like they know they can flip a switch. And I think that's what they kind of did here at halftime. They went into that. Malone gave his speech. The players talked. You know, everything kind of happened, and they said, "All right." Time to be where we need to be. Does that make you nervous? Because yes. teams should not be hoping that they can just flip the switch because this is a Phoenix Suns team that is surprisingly even at 15 yeah. wins right now. This is a very untalented team outside of just their freakish scoring out of TJ Warren and Devin Booker. Yeah, I mean, Marquise it, Chris has nice games, but that dude yeah. is not even close to an NBA player in terms of his fundamentals. No, He's without a doubt. ball of clay of athleticism. I him. mean, there's definitely a certain level of concern with that, but I think it's more so a byproduct of a young team. You know, maybe less in maybe less so in the terms of fl uh, flipping the switch, but more so of we can't play consistent for four quarters. Uh, yeah. We're going to be able to get two. We're going to play really well, and we're probably going to have two where we're shaky. Yeah, I was talking to Nikola Jokic during shoot around before this game this morning. We we're obviously recording this late night right now on Wednesday night. Only way we know how and to. That's all we ever do. But I was talking to Nikola Jokic, and there was a question posed to it, but they were like, you know, are you happy with where the Nuggets are at right now? Like, are you comfortable mm -hmm. that he was like, I mean, yes and no. But in the the reason he said no, he was like, we have lost games we should have won. We mm -hmm. haven't played for 48 minutes. And he said it like three times. Echoing Coach Malone. And that's uh, a good thing. 
48 minutes. Though I can't. He, Malone uses we need to play hard for 48 minutes like five times a scrum. Well, that's the most. That's the, the no, ridiculous no, 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 coach I know, cliche. But it's more is. so like Malone beats it into his player every single loss. It's the same things. It's the same reasons. I mean, they, the way that they lose is when they don't play defense and they don't play for 48 minutes. That's really what it kind of comes down to. And I think you're seeing you know these boneheaded losses. They're few and far between now, or they're becoming more spread out. There's less of them, and or there's more. There's le- I don't know what I was. There doesn't say that. snowball exactly. The, the boneheaded moments don't snowball into these like just cacophonies of sadness where everything gets. And I think Malone, you know, anymore. yeah, exactly. Malone kind of hit it on the head. They're one of I believe three teams now that have not lost three games in a row. Yep, that's a fantastic stat. I keep falling back on what Matt Moore says. This team is becoming unkillable. Resilient. And somebody will step up. And tonight, that was Gary Harris. Yeah. It's time to talk about Gary Harris. Yeah, let's Gary do it. Gary Harris is now one of twelve individuals in the history of the NBA to score 36 or more points while taking five or less free throws and shooting over 80% from the field. That's incredible. He was 14 of 17 from the field. Also, he took the second least shots to get to 36 points as well out of that group. He was the youngest player to do it. You add in four rebounds, two steals. He was a plus 23, 36 points, ties his career high. This is the important part. Three assists is not very many in a vacuum, but it's the way that he got them in that third quarter. So Gary Harris scores 20 28 points in the first half untouchable it did not matter what he did he was scoring he comes in and he Gary Harris you know he's 22 this is a dude who normally when you're that hot you keep shooting yeah, you shoot the ball he came in was aggressive to the rim but he knew that everybody would be collapsing on him he knew that the defense was going to be keyed in on him he knew that he had the ability to set his teammates up in a way that he has not been able to this where year where do you think he learns that because it's instinct it is and I think I, I wrote an article like two years ago about how the way that Gary Harris perceives defense the way that he sees angles the way that he just understands the next step ahead of him that everybody else is going to be taking is what allows him to be this playmaker is what allows him to find these little seams to drip, you know, put these perfect pocket passes in because he's the dude that is so pathological about figuring out how to stop it that yeah. when you get good at learning how to stop it, you can replicate it. You can then build on that and become a playmaker. And when he is scoring the way he did, he knew he had that opportunity. So the first three minutes of the third quarter, he got all three of his assists. He got that Nuggets offense into gear on a snap. It was yeah. immediate. And I think that was the biggest sign for me that Gary Harris is maturing into somebody the Nuggets can rely on. This isn't a guy that you you can just arbitrarily get 36 from and get a win because of it. He knows what that does for his team, and it makes him a better all-around player, not just a better scorer, and that is so important for his development. Yeah, he's wise beyond his years, I think, is the kind of the best way to put it is, again, I mean, I've said That's a gazillion... Tyler's podcast, Gary Harris, wise beyond his yeah, years. there you go. I mean, this is a guy, again, I've said a gazillion times, 22 years old, that plays like he's 27. I mean, the poise that he demonstrates on a night-in, night-out basis is well beyond his years. I, I mean, again, I, he you kind of alluded to when young players get hot, they keep shooting. Jamal Murray, if he was like Gary Harris tonight, he would have kept shooting. He's checking up threes. He's regardless if they're contested or not. He's looking to get his. Obviously, he'll kind of learn to you know morph that and play more towards the strength of the team. But Gary Harris, like you said, only two. I think Jamal just turned twenty one. So now only I no think, Jamal's still twenty. So Jamal's still, isn't able to drink yet. <laughs> two more two more years of experience in the league after being in the gutters after his rookie season, and he's already this smart and this deliberate at, as how he plays. Deliberate, so right? Fantastic. Way to put it. Yeah, 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 like it's just he knows. 
You it's just really what it is. How Jamal Murray would have kept shooting, and he would have had heat check moments. I look at the seventeen shots Gary Harris took tonight. No. I don't remember no. one that was forced. They were open looks. They were and good they sharp even looks. Wide open. It was him creating an advantage that he knew he could at least exploit and take advantage of. So it may have been a contested shot, but it wasn't a heat check shot. Like he knew the rhythm that the offense was was within and played within that rhythm. Synchronization. But he, was, he was the genesis of that rhythm, and he, he kept the offense functional. He knows how to fit in with that rhythm as opposed to being the instrumental reason of that rhythm, I think is a good way to put it. Yeah. He's not alpha dog, the reason we win and lose is because of me. He is, I'm going to help get this team to where they need to be. I'm not going to go full over takeover mode, which I can at times, but again, we talk about Nikola Jokic. Where is he at his best? When he's a facilitator, when he's helping the team. Gary Harris is in a similar sense. I think you saw that in a microcosm again tonight with him getting the 36 points, but uh, you know, really in a small sample size, those three assists at the beginning of the third. Yeah, and what's so interesting about Gary Harris for me, he had nine points from beyond the three-point line tonight. He was three of five from the from the three-point line. It was the way he was attacking the basket. The Nuggets had 68 points in the paint tonight. That is a season high for them, and Gary Harris was getting there at will. Granted, the Phoenix Suns are just a dumpster fire on defense. Before Jay Triano took over as the head coach, and it was still Earl, Earl Watson, they were on pace to be the historical worst defense ever <laughs> in NBA history. So this is not a good defensive team, and they without Tyson Chandler on top of that. So it was always going to be easy to score on them, but it was how methodical and deliberate, like you said, Gary Harris was that opened up this offense so well. And getting to the rim at that level collapsed the defense, got open threes for other guys. That's why you see Trey Lyles, two of five from three. I mean, Manuel Moody even had a three because of the spacing. Malik Beasley hits a three. You get three of four from Wilson Chandler from beyond the arc. They were just getting their looks when they needed them. And because of that, they shoot 44% from the three-point line tonight on 27 looks. And the Nuggets were getting to the free throw line. Mm -hmm. That was huge. They took 22 free throws tonight, hit 20 of them. That is 90.9%. They have, when's the last time we saw that? I don't know, dude. Long I, time that ago. That was huge for I me. I mean, they were fantastic. Points in the paint, they dominated 68 to 44. Fast break points, they dominated 23 to 12. Something that Michael Malone kind of alluded to earlier in the game is he was concerned about Phoenix's ability in the transition, uh, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. The Nuggets did, in my opinion, an ample job at kind of, you know, limiting that in that aspect. Yeah, because think of it this way they turned the ball over 20 times, which is awful, but they only give up 15 points off those turnovers. Yeah, it's great. It, it, it's getting back on defense, playing with effort absolutely. in that second half. It, yeah, it's taking pride in your defense, I think is what it comes down to of you know we're not gonna let these guys dribble down the court and score because we know we can do that as well it's more so we're gonna stop these guys not let them get penetration and then go up 15 you know that's kind of the mindset of we are going to swarm teams as opposed to let them get theirs yeah and the nuggets were plus 13 rebounding they had 48 rebounds to the 35 that the suns had they had 35 assists on 51 made baskets tonight they have they add in nine blocks eight steals they were everywhere this team was so active in that second half they just took off it was like watching a missile just leave the atmosphere they just decided it was over and just handled business and just took this game over Nikola Jokic had four points in the first half I believe he obviously turns it on finishes the night with 14 points eight assists and nine rebounds obviously close to a triple double um, but a guy that, again, rises to the occasion of realizing the moment. And he looked off tonight. He did. He didn't look anywhere did. near as good as he can be. No, yeah. Like, it's so incredible to me that we keep talking about how Nikola Jokic does not really have that great of a game when he has 14, 9, and 8, and 2. 
and he's a plus 24 that yeah. leads the team. And that was an off night. This yeah. is like the fourth time we've had a stat line like that yeah. where we've called it an off night. The, granted, he had six turnovers. They were not good turnovers. Like That no, was there rough. Was he was just ones. whipping yeah. ones at the other team. But he always finds a way to help, no matter what. It's incredible. This team is unkillable. I love it. And the other dude, the guy who's been taking so much crap from so many people, Wilson Chandler. That's exactly where I was going to go next. 17 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds, and 2 blocks. Um, a guy is there anybody more underappreciated in the NBA? No. No. Spencer Dinwiddie might be up there, man. Yes, but again, but Ooh, but he kind of came out of nowhere. Like Ooh. Wilson has been like the epitome of consistent for like six years for this team outside when he's been healthy, yeah. obviously. But I mean, a guy, listen, Nuggets fans on the periscopes that we do after the game love to just trash Wilson. Why is Wilson playing? Blah blah. I mean, this is why Wilson plays because he can get you assists, he can get you rebounds, and he can score all at once while being a starter. While becoming acclimated to being a starter, he wasn't a starter last year. He was on the bench. And this is the thing. The guys he was matched up with, Troy Daniels, Marquise Chris, TJ Warren. Chris is a negative 20 tonight. TJ Warren was a negative 14 tonight. What did he have scoring-wise, TJ Warren? TJ Warren had 16 points. And so Booker had what? Booker had 17. So but Booker 16. got seven of his from the free throw line. So 17 and like 16. Like Troy Daniels was negative 21 in 14 it's minutes fantastic. tonight. It really is. His defense has been stupendous throughout. Like It's been fantastic to watch him defensively. And then not only that, he adds in 17 points and 7 of 9 shooting and 3 of 4 from beyond the arc. Not only that, 4 more assists onto his record. This has been the best playmaking I've ever seen from Wilson yeah. Chandler. And he throws in two blocks just for good measure. No big deal or anything. It, it's incredible to me that people continually over look how important he has been to this Nuggets team and how good his defense has been and how he has unlocked the Nuggets versatility on defense yeah. the ability to play aggressive and up is because Wilson Chandler and Mason Plumlee have been able to do so Mason Plumlee needs, needs to be talked about next Here, go, no, ahead, go, go ahead go ahead, go ahead. So I was sitting next to Christian Clark today we were just kind of talking about it and I mean him and I have been talking about Mason throughout the entirety of the season but I mean there was one instance I think Josh Jackson went up for a tough layup and it ended up going in but Mason met him toe to toe body to body and I mean just put a pounding on that guy when he went to the hoop and it's just Mason has served as such an anchor to this team on defense his I mean listen he might not be the most polished player yes he's very clunky when his plays his free throws are just disgusting when they, they're really really <laughs> ugly but I mean a guy that just puts in a ton of effort and you're really starting to see it pay off I mean a guy that has just served as a brick of this team in terms of their foundation on defense I think he does all the gutty plays that's, gutty, so that's a good way to put it. the dirty work yeah so he only takes five shots tonight he goes he gets seven points out of his five shot efficient you throw in eight rebounds two offensive that helps six assists five blocks what other backup center slash power forward are you going to get six assists five blocks eight rebounds from isn't uh, he was a plus 13 tonight played 24 minutes he was great isn't it great how like a narrative can change in like two months. No, dude, it's been this way. It's just the fans' narrative is no, different. No, I, but that's, that's what, what I think. That's is what, no, but that's what I'm talking about yeah. as well. It's more so like people are starting to catch on. Like Yusuf <laughs> Nurkic is becoming a dumpster fire in Portland. <laughs> it's so funny watching At, the Portland yeah. people turn oh, on Yusuf Nurkic. Oh my! Everyone was so high on that train, but I mean, listen, the Nuggets took a we lot of heat. Yusuf Nurkic leave the court like, with, with, with the Nuggets. Yeah, and try to leave the building. Yeah, like that is what happened. That is how much of a baby he can be. I, it's it's infuriating to me. Absolutely, that Yusuf Nurkic is continually having his name spoken in the same conversation as Nikola Jokic. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Doesn't but I mean, nonetheless, blow. listen, the Nuggets took a lot of heat for that trade. They took a lot of heat for signing Mason Plumlee the dollars that they did. But he's paid off big time. Yep. I mean, he's been fantastic. And I, I'm actually going to write a story on this, I think, from LISports.com. Kind of him being the Robin to Nikola Jokic being Batman. Of uh, Malone kind of had an interesting comment before the game today of sometimes when they decide to play, you know, the two together, Mason takes the more difficult matchup, the more physical a matchup away from Jokic so we can focus on other things. I, it's not even that. Like, I've actually talked about this with Malone before. What he's doing is he is 
using the fact that he is playing two traditional centers in a lineup to find and exploit the smaller matchup. Yes. So they're putting Mason Plumley on, let's just say... In this case tonight, let's just say he was matched up all night with Greg Monroe. That means Marquise Chris now has to deal with the savvy Nikola Jokic down yep. low the whole night. And Jokic, I mean, it was different tonight because he was playmaking and Gary Harris was on fire, but it's different when Jokic is matched up with a smaller man. Like, yeah. It's like, Mason's almost like a decoy, yeah. per se, but an effective decoy. But it allows Nikola Jokic to feast on smaller players. I love that thought process. I do, too. I think it makes perfect sense. Play, how, that's, not only that, it'll work when Paul Millsap gets back. Oh, my gosh. That's the thing, dude. It's like You forget this guy's out. It's nuts. Like, you really do. Like, I, I ended up listing off, like, so I did the last podcast with Ryan Blackbird. I listed off all the things, and it'll be like, the Nuggets have the best start since 2010-11, yet Nikola Jokic has missed seven games. Gary Harris has missed a game. Will Barton has missed games. Uh, Mason Mobley hasn't missed any games, but he has been banged up. Wilson Chandler has been banged up, and Paul Millsap has been out, and they have the best start in six years. And they haven't lost three games in a row. That was the year they traded Melo. Think about that. The last time the Nuggets were this good were when they traded Carmelo Anthony midseason. And this team is pretty much a bunch of 23-year-old dudes who are figuring it out on the fly without their most veteran, like, rock-esque player in terms of Paul Millsap. That's incredible they've been able to pull this off. It's fantastic, man. They they are now 20 and 17. They are at 20 wins eight games earlier than they were last year. it's It's a testament to growing. And, I mean, listen, Malone gets a lot of heat and a lot of crap from this fan base and just everyone in general of, is this the guy, blah, blah. I mean, look, he's improved every single year in terms of win totals. Gary Harris, to me, is the perfect example of Michael Malone as a head coach, a guy that was in the gutters, in the gutters to the fullest extent under Brian Shaw, and Malone took him in and said, you're my starting shooting guard. And where is Gary Harris right now? Tied his career high tonight with 36 points. Yeah, two uh, weeks after setting his career Exactly. High. So, I mean, listen, Malone is learning to play to the strength, learning how this team plays to their strengths and whatnot. He's growing as a head coach as the Nuggets are growing as a team. Yeah, and just like Gary Harris did the exact same thing for Trey Lyles. Like, I said this on the, the, on exact the same thing. before on the podcast exact. where, like, Trey Lyles in the doghouse at Utah. He comes here, Malone instills confidence, and he handles his business. I mean, it's it's been definitely great to watch. I mean, you can even look at the the arrival of Nikola Jokic on the scene. I mean, I've got, yeah, I've said all these things. Like, I, I've defended Michael Malone in that way. Like, he changes the culture first year he changes the offense and puts Nikola Jokic in as the focal point of second year he gets Paul Millsap and integrates a defense his third year like did, yeah what else are people like for? hypothetically like let's just do the hypothetical game like five six years down the line the Nuggets are contending for an NBA title and for whatever reason let's say Michael Malone is not the head coach but you're gonna look back to that time and you're gonna be the reason why the Nuggets are where they are today is because of those first three years as Michael Malone as head coach listen if Jackson Sports Bar and Grill does not hang a banner for Michael Malone in the rafters if the Nuggets oh make yeah. a championship like they do in Philly for oh yeah. my like, it, no, it, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me because the only reason that Philly is this good is 100% because of the process yeah and you don't get there otherwise <laughs> Without Sam Hinkie, you just don't get there otherwise. And that's so important because Michael Malone is instilling a culture. He's instilling a confidence. He is instilling an offense and a defensive philosophy and schemes that are working. Yeah. Flat out. Listen, I mean, the defense isn't necessarily where it needs to be right now, and I know that drives him insane, but look at the offensive production that this team has put forth. They're one of the best offensive teams yeah, in the league. 134 points tonight, like by accident. Yeah, without... Without even lifting a finger, it almost seems. So listen, Malone is doing a good job. The rest of this team is doing a good job. You're seeing these teams, you're seeing the guys learn to play as a unit as opposed to individuals. I think yeah. you saw that a lot in the past, of especially when Gallo was here. I don't want to trash Gallo, but just create a lot of dysfunction within well, the he team. Want, Gallo wanted to do what Gallo wanted exactly. to do, and, and it wasn't what the team wanted to do. And that doesn't allow Malone to you know integrate certain things, and it causes trouble and whatnot. But I think you're seeing this year 
the pieces are in place that Malone wants. Yeah. And that's why you're seeing the team, what are they, three games above 500 now? Yeah, one of the better teams in the Western Conference right now. And obviously Locked they, into that sixth seed. Yeah, they beat down on the, on the Phoenix Suns tonight, 134-111. Uh, another testament to where this team is heading. So Malone talked about, at practice yesterday, at Shooter Around This Morning, how he wants to expand his rotation to not kill his guys. And those were his words. Mm-hmm. It's important and to, not to talk about this bench unit tonight because every single player on this Nuggets team on the bench was a positive player. The stars were as well. Don't get me wrong. But to see every single bench player tonight be able to lock that in and be a positive for this Nuggets team was really important. And Malone played a nine-man rotation. This was not seven-and-a-half-man rotation. Kenneth Fareed gets his first minutes in eight games. And you know what's funny? I'm not even including Kenneth Fareed when I talk about a nine-man rotation. Like Kenneth Free played seven minutes. Richard Jefferson got two. Moody A got two. I am literally not even including them when he played yeah. nine men tonight. So let's start with the lowest minutes and go up. So tr- so Tory Craig tonight, he doesn't score, but he adds two rebounds and assists and plays great defense. Mm-hmm. He was a plus ten in his thirteen minutes because of how good he was defensively. Shouts Tory Craig for doing what you Absolutely. need to do, kid. That's Absolutely. fantastic. So from there, Malik Beasley, four or five from the field. He adds in two rebounds, three assists for Malik in sixteen minutes, a steal and a block. He was an even plus and minus zero, but had ten points on the day. I thought his minutes in the first half were garbage. I thought his minutes in the second half were stupendous, fantastic, terrific. Everything you could say good about his minutes in that second half were really, really worth it. Like defensively, he was everywhere. Mm-hmm. He was highly active. He was running the break he was drawing fouls he had a three I couldn't ask for anything more from, from Malik Beasley in that second no, half. No, I mean, he put his athleticism on full, uh, full Man, effect that with that dunk. dunk. filthy. Listen, I mean, this is a guy, we talk about Will Barton, you know, who his contract situation up at the end of the year. I think Malik Beasley is kind of, a, potentially, if Will Barton does go elsewhere, that's the perfect fill. Listen, Malik Beasley's a player. There's, exactly. just, there's no arguing. There ha- he hasn't been able to get, you know, the minutes maybe that the Nuggets want to give him because of the roster situation and whatnot, but he's a guy that is more so, in my opinion, deserving of those minutes. And a guy that, is, listen, he's, he's really become close with Jamal Murray. And those... Yeah. Two have kind of rubbed off on each other a little bit. He works with Jamal. He's a tireless worker. One of the first and last guys into the gym every single day. He flew in on his birthday and went straight to the gym. Yeah, he's gonna be, <laughs> he's gonna be a player. Does. He's wearing. Did you see the shoes he was wearing tonight oh, too? Oh man, I would. I tried to ask him if they were unreleased. He was like, mm, I don't know what I they are. I'm talking about what no, this is No, I right know. Now. Those were fresh. <laughs> they're joining the retro. Th- I don't know what they're called, but they're 13s. They're like the reverse bread um, of what they looked like. But black and or no, they were primary red. By the way, the while, we're, while we're on shoe top, did you see the Jordan 0.1s that they're putting out? The half I and half, the, the why nots? Those look so Ooh, clean. Boy, did you see the, the Gatorade fire. ones they did for Michael yeah, Jordan, the sixes? Oh, those. those are so classic. Still, man, there's nothing better than those new Kyrie fours. Those are fresh, dude. I'm so happy. Real quick, just side thought. I just got an update from Chris Mannix of the Vertical. So with their win tonight over the Cavaliers, is it safe to talk about the Boston Celtics as the top dog in the Eastern Conference? No, not yet. And I love them. I, I will be, like, I am usually the dude backing up the, the Celtics team. I do think that they're going to end up being a very tough out. I, I like them more down the line than I do right now, but... They're making a case, man. No, Toronto's is making stacked. a case. That Eastern Conference is confusing as shit, man. I don't know what the hell is going to no, happen absolutely. over there. Absolutely. So just kind of a random side note on there. What do we want to talk about? What, what what nugget is next? Oh, yeah. So let's get back to this bench unit. So we, were, <laughs> so we see that Torrey Craig. We talked about Torrey Craig. We talked about Malik Beasley. Let's get into ooh the sick man of the hour. Flu game himself, Will yep. Barton. Uh, just a guy. Listen, we were watching him warm up. I mean, 
Will is one of the most lively guys in that roster. I mean, he told always me he smiling, had a fever jumping before around the game and looked like he was going to die. Yeah, he did not. I mean, after the game too, just blank face, just did not look good. Like Will, if for whatever reason you're listening to this, I hope you're sleeping. Like I mean, just go <laughs> go sleep. Sleeping. No, but I mean, it, it, again, look, I got, he had what twelve points tonight? Was it? So a guy that went out in typical Will Barton fashion of just because I'm not feeling good doesn't mean I'm not going to play for his team. Went out there, recorded twelve points. Uh, obviously, wasn't a a difference maker per se it wasn't the difference in the win and the loss, but a key contributor in this win nonetheless. Okay, I've already cussed once on this on this podcast, and I'm gonna say it again. Will Barton is the toughest son of a bitch there is. Like it yeah. doesn't matter if he is able to physically put his body on a basketball court, he is going to do so. It does not matter. Will Barton, like you said, he's as electric and excited and just out there as it gets. Mm-hmm. He wasn't talking loud after the post game interview. He was not feeling good. His fever was apparently much higher than people realize. What a trooper. 5 of 13 from the field. He really didn't start getting going to the second half because he was just probably feeling so awful. But he had six assists and only one turnover again. He is the Nuggets' leader in assist-to-turnover ratio. He has been a great de facto point guard. I don't care that his scoring hasn't been there. I know that it would help this Nuggets team a lot to get it back. I don't care. His defense has been great for most of these games, and he has been the best playmaking pl- yeah. uh, person on this team, not named Nikola Jokic, he's flat a, out. He's a Swiss Army knife. He can play one through three. We've seen him do all of that this year. He can score. He can play defense. He can Pass. He, I mean, he could a little bit of everything. Rebounder too. He could do a little bit of everything. He's athletic. Uh, listen, a guy that n- has been fantastic for this team ever since they really traded for him from Portland. A guy that has just grown into his own. I mean, Will Barton had a fever, and he said he, it was a, it was a flu like thing after the game. But he led the bench with a plus sixteen. He played the second most minutes off the bench with twenty minutes, and he was great all the way through. He led the team in plus minus outside of anybody not named Nikola Jokic or Gary Harris. Even though he was sick, he was desperately important and direly important to this game. He Absolutely. is a big part of why the Nuggets will turn it on the second half and end this game flat out. And that was so important to me. I thought Will Barton was great. I mean, I did too. I mean, I think you kind of hit it on the head of, listen, this is guys understanding the moment, understanding the situations. And, you know, playing. we talked about unifying themselves as a team and whatnot. Will Barton took one for the team tonight. He always does. And he always does, but again, it, it, it binds in, it, it's, a, it's a testament to everybody buying it because I think Will would do that. I think there's numerous guys on that roster that would also do that. Yeah. Alright, it's time to get back to your boy. Let's do it. 16 points, 11 the rebounds. The quietest 16-11 you've ever heard. 5-11 from the field, but he had four free throws to go with it. was a plus three on the night. Trey Lyles, yeah, man. man. Listen, I mean, I, I don't know what more there is to say. I mean, I've been an advocate for his. I mean, I think I've kind of proved my, rest my case in a, a few previous podcasts of he's not a scrub and he's not just an any ordinary bench player. We'll this pass is a, that now. He played the third most minutes on the Nuggets I tonight. mean, recent time, if you once Paul Millsap went out, I mean, you have to throw him in, the con- in consideration for six man of the year. Uh, he's not there yet. I mean, he's, I, but show he's, more for he's trending there. I, he is. And again, but I mean, I'm talking in that sample size of what you need to be as a sixth man. That's it, it, to the fullest extent he kind of embodied that. He really does embody that, and that's the one thing that is so impressive to me is that he has really accepted this role and just ran with it. Like he is all in on making this work in some capacity, and I think that is what allowed him to be him. Because when you come out and you get 11 rebounds when you were labeled as a dude who is not a good rebounder, and you were pl- playing center tonight, like he was getting in the weeds and really handling some stuff he continues to grow more and more and more every single time he plays for this Nuggets team I am now worried what the hell it's going to take to keep him in Denver well that's what I was going to say I mean what's his contract situation I I believe he has just next year on his rookie deal and then he has to get signed Really? It's going to be a pretty quick situation. Well, I mean, like, we, talk, we talked part. about, like, I kind of alluded to, like, Paul Millsap, like, me forgetting that he's part of this team. I mean, obviously, Millsap comes back. You're going to see a decrease in playing time for both Mason Plumley and Trey Lyles to a certain extent. More so Trey Lyles. But, I mean, how can you just, I mean, you're going to have to justify it, but he's been so freaking good. 
it's hard because it really comes back to what is going to happen with Will Barton because he has that extension just sitting on the, oh, you know what? I'm looking up the numbers right now. Trey Lyles is signed to the 2019-20 season. There's a qualifying Good. offer of $3.7 million they can give him that year. So it won't be until that looks that much better next year that they're going to have to figure out his situation. But this is the thing. Like, Let's talk about the numbers. What does he? What do you think he deserves oh, in a money? I sense? suck at this, dude. This is so difficult because, like, he's not a ten million a year player. He just isn't. I'm the not willing NBA, to get there. Give that to him. May I don't know if they would. He hasn't shown enough yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, I'm a firm believer that he's going to keep this up and he's going to bleed into next year all the way which, through. I mean, he's shooting like 48 percent from three right now. I mean, maybe you're going to see that decrease a little bit, but I mean, I think he's setting a new benchmark. This guy's a player, is the way that I'm trying to put it. I mean, he I think he's like, he could be a starter in a few years. I really think he's 21 years old. I know. That's he's like that's the, that's the thing that everybody forgets is he fits the exact profile of this team. I mean, he's st- he's got. I mean, if you think about it, 21 years old, you still got like another four, five seasons to really polish yourself. He has two more years on his rookie contract. That's I what we we'll keep forgetting. That, I mean, and again, maybe it's because he's so quiet and he also carries himself like a 25, 26 year old that people forget that. But man, Trey Lyles is going to be a guy that I honestly think could be if he continues on this kind of trend. Can you know insert himself as part of this nucleus? It just scares me because you look at 2018-19, the year that his contract will end and he, they will have to be re-signed. Denver is already seventh in terms of how much total payroll money they're going to have. You look ahead at 2019-20 after they give Nikola Jokic a, a max contract. As of right now, they're towards the bottom of the pack. They are oh, they don't exist on this, on this sheet apparently. Um, <laughs> Denver is 25th on that, but he's going to have a max contract going into there. So there's a lot of money that's tied up for the future for this Nuggets team. No, absolutely, it's going to be very difficult. And if Will Barton signs that extension, you can almost say goodbye to Trey Lyles. Exactly. And I think that's kind of where I was going to go to next. Will Barton's extension really holds a lot of the future for this Nuggets team in terms of who's going to be here and who's not. Because it's, 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 are you, it's basically Will Barton. And by doing that, by bringing back in Will Barton, you're saying goodbye to a few of these other guys, whether it be Trey Lyles, Wilson Chandler, Kenneth Fareed. I mean, a couple of those guys we already know are going to be gone, but Will Barton. Uh, handicaps them to a certain extent. They're not putting all their eggs in one basket, but they're putting like 80% of them in one basket. You want to know something really scary? This is completely off topic. Mm. Looking at the most salary in 2018-19 for next year, if it's already on the books, the Miami Heat are going to have $144 million to lead the league. Who the hell are they tied up? Hassan is going to be the big one. That's crazy. Really? I did not realize how much money they had Kelly put into other people. Yeah, <laughs> Kelly Olynyk's another one. Wow. Gonna, Josh Richardson got his contract extension to four years, 42, that kicks in next year. Wow. That's scary. Pat Riley. <laughs> you better be real scared if you're a Miami Heat fan because they ain't going to be able to do anything. But are there Miami Heat fans? Oh, yes, there no, are. No, no, there's, I'm just the, there's like nine of them, but they really yes, care about the very, team. Very, very true. Shouts Nika's Duncan. Nike, you're the man. But the Nuggets are right now 20 and 17. They are the sixth seed in the Western Conference. They're only a half game behind the Oklahoma City Thunder right now. They are tied in the loss column with the Thunder as well. They are a full game up on the Portland Trail Blazers, who I believe lost tonight. Did they? Let me check. Keep talking. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> I got it up right here. I'll find it right now. Do they even play tonight? Portland. Portland must have played last night. They did not play tonight. Um, but Portland is now a full game behind the Denver Nuggets at that at that point. They're looking good. This is a really good spot for Denver to be because they have nine more home games in January. They have a ton. In, like, this is my thing. I was talking about with Matt Smith. If they can figure out a way, I, I don't remember. I think it's like 17 home games between January and February combined. That's incredible. And against... Not the the opponent level. The strength of the opponent is not very high. I mean, it's going to get a lot tougher in March, but obviously that's when Paul Millsap comes back. If the Nuggets can figure out a way to not just be good, but really try to dominate this two month stretch where they could you know assert themselves and then get Paul Millsap back, I mean, 
Let's very take good a for step team. back and remember what happened in 2012-13. The Nuggets had a lot of road games to start, which is why that, that is not the best year they have in terms mm-hmm. of start. The Nuggets can, can compare to right now. It's 2010-11. But then they had 11 games in January, I believe. And they just ripped off. like They won like... Well, they went on they that like insane home streak. and two in January and continued their winning ways into February. That is what allowed the Nuggets to get to that 57-win team that ended up being the best winning franchise with the Nuggets they've ever had in terms of a team. So the Nuggets very well could absolutely just decide that they are going to just go streaking and they could start winning a lot of games and they could put themselves in a position to be looking at a potential four or five seed in the Western Conference. Listen, the Western that Conference would not surprise me. The, the West is fantastic. I mean, between Denver, between Portland, I mean, Minnesota, there's a gazillion different teams that are just fun and fascinating to watch this year, Denver being one of them. Yeah, it's, it's impossible not to say that. I mean, they are that fun, and now they are eighth in terms of offensive rating, 108.2. When you look at defensive rating, obviously they're going to be a little bit lower. They are now 18th, which is significantly better than the 28th they were last year. And then in terms of net rating, they are 10th. This is a team that is thoroughly in the thick of it, and they're just going to get better and better as the year continues to go along. It's going to be fun to kind of watch here. I mean, January is an absolutely critical month. I mean, yeah. start the new, they started the new year off right with this 134-111 victory over the Phoenix Sons, but can that continue? We talk about consistency. This is the time where they can't go back and forth. Plant your best foot forward and move forward with that. Listen, if they start really deciding that they're going to beat these teams at home, the Nuggets have the second most in the Western Conference for road games in the in, in the, the in the 2017 calendar yeah. year, and they have the second least home games. What happens when all of a sudden they have 10 at 10 at home and they start exactly. ripping wins off? Exactly. This team could go 13 and 3 or whatever it can is they in their that, next though? 16 That's games. I think, they can. I think they and can. I think they can too. If they do, like if they really do, this team is going to put themselves in a position that nobody saw them in to where you're talking about them potentially trying to fight for home court advantage in the playoffs. Like nobody saw that coming. No, I mean, no one believed that was a possibility, but it is potentially on the table with how good they've been. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a long ways to go until they get to that point. There's a lot that can go wrong. I mean, they're a young team that could fall apart like that. I mean, we've seen it happen before in the NBA, but certainly in a microcosm here in recent time, I mean, I'd say probably the past month, they've really had a good idea of how to play without Paul Millsap. You're seeing it pay off. You're seeing them get better, and you're seeing the improvement. I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves are 7-3 and three in their last 10, and that team has been barely winning late games. Yeah. This is not, like, the Minnesota Timberwolves are not a team that should be 24-15 and 15 right no. now. They're not 9 two games wins over Denver, 500 right now. I know. And two very, very very, 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 Against, very close with, wins. At the hands of one man. Jimmy freaking Butler. That, that, that name is, is incredible. He is going to be a thorn in that team's side for numerous yeah, because reasons. because they don't have them. Have him mm-hmm, like they wanted to get him. Mm-hmm. But Minnesota's nine games above 500. God, they are so not good. that good. Like that team will eventually fall off. They are not 11 and nine on the road good. They are not seven and one in their division good. That will start to come back down to earth. You could look at the Nuggets as a four seed. That's not inconceivable by the end of it's January. Not, it's not, but you can also be looking at the Nuggets as an eight seed. I mean, no, 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 they're that, that bad. No, I mean, and I agree, but it, it comes down to the Nuggets are only one game up on the on the eight seed. The New Orleans Pelicans are the eight seed. They are nineteen and eighteen. The Nuggets are twenty and seventeen. So Portland and the Pelicans are tied for the eight seed right now. I think, and actually, this is a good question for you as well. Anyway, so right now, Western Conference is Golden State, Houston Rockets, San Antonio Spurs, Minnesota Timberwolves, Thunder Nuggets, Blazers, Pelicans. Is that the eight that make the playoffs? Not in that order, but is that the eight? Because outside of that, you only have Clippers, Jazz, Suns, Mavericks, Kings, Grizzlies, Lakers. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. That's I, the eight. I think it is. I mean, the Clippers have fallen off. The Jazz. Are the I mean they've kind of they could make a run bloated. later but and I everybody don't else sucks 
I mean, the other four suck. I mean, L.A. sucks. Memphis is just bad. Sacramento is what they are, and Dallas is not good. I'm curious what the Clippers can do because they're banged up, but they've won four straight. They're making things interesting, but at the same time, I hate that the, the complexion it's of that team. over. Yeah. The Clippers are the Nuggets, or what the Nuggets <laughs> were like 10 years ago. Like, you know what I'm saying? A it's team like that a was good. Just, just, group just, that has no yeah, idea exactly, but just... They played in L.A., so they got way more love than the Nuggets ever did. I mean, and they had sexy players like Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, CP3. But, I mean, everyone, especially here in Denver, rips the Nuggets about, you know, rips them apart about George Carl, all this stuff, blah, blah. Look at the Clippers. I mean, if you're talking about a team that failed to capitalize on opportunity, they have got to be the most prime example in NBA history. So many things went wrong for them in their actual ability to make the playoffs and do well in the playoffs. Like, Josh Smith hit like eight of ten three-pointers in three games against them, and that's why they lost the uh, Western I mean, obviously, you talked to bad breaks. Blah, I heard it with Denver. It's another thing. It's a reflection of Denver. Exactly, but interesting. I mean, I always just think back, like, how do you think DeAndre Jordan feels right now? I could have signed in, like, Dallas a couple years ago. I really like what I'm doing. Like, that's where I'd be Absolutely. That'd be Eric Bledsoe. I I don't want to be here, but I'm at a salon. I don't want to be here right now. Is Gallo playing again, or is he still hurt? He's in and out of the lineup. I believe, oh I believe he's out Typical. for a couple he's, weeks. His head is I can't probably. remember, dude. That Clippers team is just not interesting to me at all. I you want to know what's really crazy to me? Mm. The Memphis Grizzlies are tied for second worst record. No, they have the second worst record in basketball. The Jeez. Grizzlies have fallen off that. I part. didn't think they were going to be that bad. They're twelve and twenty-six. They're fourteen games under five hundred. They are. They would. They would be the. Uh, they would only be the second to worst team in the Eastern Conference right now. That's wild. That's how bad they are. Like, I don't know where that came from. That is incredibly That's crazy, bad to man. me. But. but listen, Nuggets are Pennsylvania is a six seed tonight. Impressive victory, 134, 111 over the Suns. Can't ask for much more out of this team here recently. You really can't. And now you got the Jazz coming up next. It is time for this Nuggets team to beat the Jazz, man. It, it needs to happen. So that will be in two days. We will be seeing the Nuggets back at Pep Center on Friday, I believe is what it is, at 7 o'clock. So you'll probably hear another podcast then, maybe tomorrow. Who really knows? I really don't because I'm exhausted <laughs> and delirious right now. But uh-huh. this the Denver Nuggets, team, Nuggets will practice tomorrow. So we gonna I be just doing got tomorrow. the email. Media is recommend oh recommended instead of encouraged to arrive <laughs> oh, vermin, by twelve baby. p.m. Um, so oh, that man. means we'll be podcasting here maybe like three o'clock if they decide to open up like four hours late I like was they about always to do. Say it's gonna be a forty five minute wait, but then we will do that afterwards. Yes, we, we will. will. Be right here so. podcasting about the the ins and outs of practice. We will get the rundown on how Will Barton's feeling. We will get the rundown on Gary Harris, who did not speak after the game tonight. He had something personal he had to attend to, and we will be back for everything with that Nuggets. Situation tomorrow, we'll re- and we'll definitely pregame that Utah game Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, gonna you be a fun one. Else, man? That's all I have. Friday, big game for this team. Let's see if they can keep the mojo going. It's good to have you back, Anilo. It is good to be back. My smoke detector is gonna drive me insane when I get back, so that's good. Uh, not good, but I'm gonna get some food. I, I'm, I want whiskey and pizza. Doesn't that sound good? Pie hole pizza. If you want to advertise Please, with this podcast, your pizza is so good. <laughs> Seriously though, if anybody wants to advertise with this podcast, reach out to me at tmcbride3793 at gmail. We will absolutely get you facilitated through to sponsor this podcast. But at least for me, that's all I got. That's really all I got, man. We'll talk to you guys here tomorrow. Adios. Still trying to climb a mountain for you. Hammer in my hand, still pounding on a screw. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. 
No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. GEICO presents Yikes, another voicemail from your roommate. Sup, roomie? Hey, a pipe burst in the basement. It's completely flooded. Anyway, I called for someone to fix it, but in the meantime, I was thinking we could finally have that indoor pool party we've always wanted. I got some cool swan floaty things already going. Could you pick up some chips on your way home? Later. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.